Hey, Quinn. Hey, Lindsay. What's going on? Oh, you know, just a ridiculously crazy news cycle and constant contemplation of where I can move where there's no internet. But Mm. other than that, I'm doing great. Yeah, I feel kind of the same way. We're in a weird place. We sure are. But viral is doing well. Viral is doing well. Um, What is this now, episode 12? Yeah. I think. Yeah, this is... We're in double digits. We are in double digits. And officially. we... Yeah, which is crazy. Um, I'm not going to lie, though. I would like to see more signups on the website. Well... I mean, the stickers are really cool. They are pretty cool. You can put them on your... Uh, your stuff. Yeah, your stuff. <laughs> we didn't narrow that down. No, I wasn't. My brain wasn't wor- wasn't with it that time. That's Okay. Um, so this episode is our second interlude episode where we're just going to kind of more or less clear the docket of um, clarifications, uh, errors, omissions, and stuff that's going on in our lives. So Maybe tell some secrets. Do you, Okay. Well, since we're there now, uh, what secrets do you have to tell? I think we should go through the stuff first. Okay. Because so I need to build my confidence up have, to tell some of my secrets. Have you ever um, told a secret of someone else's without their permission? Oh, all the time. And what? not on purpose, just because I'm an idiot. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, give me, give me an example of something that <laughs> – let's just do it again publicly. Why don't – no. Oh, so the same, like, you want to go there? No, maybe not. Okay. Because it was going to be your secret. Mm. Just kidding. I don't, I wouldn't do that to you. Even though this is our podcast show. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll get us some more downloads. Maybe. Or, I don't know. We may lose people. Yeah. Um, Okay. So what kind of things are going on? Well, the thing that's really on my mind is uh, the Paris Climate Accord. I've been uh, processing that decision. It hasn't been going great, the processing. Um, So that's why we're going to be doing a episode on public health and climate change, because I think that we need to talk about that. Our next episode, however, is going to be about poop. Yep. So... Prepare for that, guys. Number 13, about number two. Oh, oh, that's a really good title. Okay. <laughs> Just really like it. We could probably top that. We could. Yeah. I mean, we already kind of talked about Poopisode. Yeah, we did mention Poopisode. Um, we can upper deck that. Yeah, so I, th- I think we kind of have a schedule of things that we want to talk about, but it's also um, amendable based on what's going on in the news. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think we do need to talk about public health and climate change, and there's a lot that I don't know about it. Yeah. But the difference is I trust those who know a lot about these topics um, more so than some people in positions of leadership do. So you're saying that having expertise on a subject is a precursor to trusting the person in making policy decisions. Is that what you're saying? 
Because that's what it sounds like. It's so sad. It's so sad. I, I'm still waiting for somebody to slap me and wake me up yeah. from this nightmare. Yeah. Sorry, guys. It's all right. This is this has started off being kind of a downer, but I mean, yeah. And you know what else? You can't hug chickens anymore. You might get sal- salmonella. Is what this, is this world turned into? Is this something that um, you did a lot when you were younger? We weren't allowed to have chickens. You weren't? No. Oh. They're really dirty. Hence really? Why you shouldn't hug them. Yeah, yeah. Salmonella. Um, but you did have pigs, which are cleaner. Thank you. I was going to go on my little soapbox about how pigs are actually very clean. They are very clean. Um, but yeah. But anyway... The Paris Climate Accord has been on my mind, among many other things. I'm very happy to say that the city that we live in, St. Petersburg, uh, our mayor is very progressive and still wants to proceed with the uh, recommendations of the Paris Climate Accord. So, Yeah. I mean, it, one of the things about it that's so surprising is that if you actually look at the agreement, everything in there is voluntary. And yeah. if you didn't like the uh the goals you could change the goals yeah uh and not just leave the agreement entirely it's really just and guidelines a lot of the cities and um states that still value um climate climate change <laughs> and green policies are moving ahead and doing their own thing so that's that's at least a positive that i can take yeah, out of it i i agree and i think it shines a light on um also, the amount of cooperation around the world to really push for a better climate change policy. Mm-hmm. And people have been, you know, kind of misrepresenting Nicaragua for not signing it, but they didn't, they said they weren't going to sign it because it didn't go far enough. Right. So, right. Syria's got their own problems. I was just to say, they've got a lot on their plate right now. Um, if you want a really interesting analysis, um, there's. The New York Times has a podcast called The Daily, and it is released daily. Oh, Um, And they talk about major issues in the day and also um, more do sort of semi-in-depth reporting on on topics. And so the one on June 6th, uh, Tuesday, June 6th, they talked about – the relationship between the Republican Party and climate change going back to um, 2007, 2008, when the Republican nominee for president, candidate for president, John McCain, ran on a very um, pro, like, um, green mm-hmm. energy policy. Mm-hmm. And his he had commercials about how um, he was standing up to, you know, then President Bush about and wants to um, promote clean energy and all, yada yada yada, and then the the Supreme Court had their decision related to Citizens United, which I had heard a lot about. Um, but basically, it it allowed corporations to fund uh, political campaigns, and so oh, corporations yeah. like the Koch brothers and others that had a major stake in um, how these energy regulations were implemented um, and who had been perhaps negatively impacted by them started basically saying to all of these candidates and all of these politicians, if you support these policies, we will bury you. 
and some of them changed their stances altogether. Um, others just got voted out of office because they got bombarded with um, other like negative ads and stuff from major corporations. But it was it was interesting. So um, checked out that episode. Interesting. That, yeah, I was. If you if you can withstand the sadness, definitely listen. And I mean, when we we are. Um, Definitely looking for some really great uh, interviewees for our climate change episode. Mm-hmm. So um, if you have any recommendations, feel free to let us know. Uh, speaking of climate, I read in uh, CDC's MMWR report, the Morbidity and Mortality Weekly report, um, that – Apparently, due to an unusually warm and rainy season, California is seeing an increase in the number of mushroom poisonings. Interesting. 14 cases of poisoning from the uh, death cap mushroom (laughs) have occurred so far in the San Francisco area. Guys, if you forage for food, please make sure it isn't poisonous before you eat it or feed it to your children. Or use it for recreational purposes. Yes, that too. But yeah, gonna... apparently lots of mushrooms means you're going to see more poisonings. And ticks and mosquitoes. It's going to be a fun summer. Yeah, it's going to be going to be great. Yeah. Can't wait. Um, ooh, I have not, uh, not an error, but a clarification. So in our maternal and child health episode... I mentioned a specific condition with a specific name, but I didn't remember what that was. My friend Abby, who's a pediatrician, messaged me and reminded me it was called neonatal abstinence syndrome, or babies born to opioid-dependent mothers. Interesting. Um, And yeah, so I I looked it up again and, and kind of refreshed my memory about it. More than half of infants exposed to opioids during pregnancy require pharmacologic treatment for withdrawal symptoms of neonatal abstinence syndrome, such as seizures and um, respiratory and digestive problems they have uh, that make it difficult for the babies to eat and sleep because they're in withdrawals. Um, So traditional treatment for these newborns most often occurs with morphine and requires lengthy hospital stays. New research from the American Academy of Pediatrics contains evidence showing that a drug called buprenorphine is just as safe and more effective than morphine when used to treat newborns suffering withdrawal symptoms after prenatal drug exposure. That's great news. Yeah. um, Buprenorphine offers several benefits to those with opioid dependency and to others for whom treatment in a methadone clinic is not preferred or is less convenient, like if you're a baby. Oh, gosh darn those babies. (laughs) This study has large public health implications since the rate of neonatal abstinence has increased almost fivefold over the past 15 years. Wow. So, I mean, it's kind of obvious because of the opioid epidemic and you have a lot of men and women who are addicted Mm -hmm. to opioids and if they get pregnant, their baby will also be addicted to opioids. So um, it's probably something that we're going to see as an issue in years 
coming. Which yes, is, it's unfortunately, so sad. It is so sad. But, and there's so many different factors as to why we're in the opioid epidemic right now. If you are a pregnant woman who is addicted to drugs, you actually can use methadone as a way to uh, taper off if you were pregnant. So a lot of, I know that there is discussion about whether or not that's safe, but I know that here in Pinellas County, that is, we do, there are clinics that do uh, methadone dosing for women who are pregnant. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, which is sad, but also, I mean, they're trying to get treatment. It's not like, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of the opioid epidemic, Ohio has sued five different pharmaceutical companies because of it, because apparently they didn't do due diligence on telling people how strong or how interesting dangerous these are. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, our secretary for health. Oh, boy. <laughs> came out and said, uh, well, we shouldn't just substitute one drug for another. Yeah, and that maybe you should just pray more. Yeah, maybe you should just pray more. Because, you know, addiction is a moral failing and not a disease. Um, That makes me want to slam my head against the table repeatedly. Well, maybe you should just pray on it. Oh, God. (laughs) Well, that's appropriate. Yeah. Um, Yeah, he also just uh, named um, a... Pro-abstinence-only advocate, um, I believe, is deputy secretary. Yeah. Oh, boy. Real. You know, because there hasn't been multiple studies out there to show that those aren't effective or anything. That's frustrating. Well, also, so despite (laughs) the myriad of issues going on in and around Washington, D.C. these days, we can't forget that our healthcare system is still in the process of maybe being rehauled. Oh, boy. <laughs> Remember that whole thing? Oh, geez. Um, yeah. NPR has a really good article this week called The Senate's Four Big Problems with Healthcare, and it aired on All Things Considered as well. Basically, they're saying that there's no more momentum for this fight. Um, the bill passed by the House last month is pretty much a non-starter in the Senate, leaving the policy geniuses of Mitch McConnell and Ted Cruz to come up with something better. What a what a generous mm-hmm. word. <laughs> it's looking less and less likely that something's going to happen. Further evidence that they weren't expecting to have to do this and that all the blustering over the past seven years have been just that blustering. You know, it's funny that you have seven years of whining about this legislation and yet no solution. Yeah. You know, not even a, Hey, you know, we know this bill has been passed. This is legislation. It's in, you know, but it's here. Uh, here's some recommendations to Mm -hmm. maybe how to make it better. I mean, that's reasonable. Yeah. But apparently reasonable is not electable. No. Um, Speaking of blustering, it's now... I see myself out. (laughs) Speaking of blustering, it's now officially hurricane season. Woo! Oh, good transition. Thank you. Good transition. Yeah, and actually, uh, 
Darn. Well, I was just going to say, we just actually had a tax holiday here in Florida for getting, um, getting supplies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, you can now apparently download an app uh, through Pinellas County, and it'll tell you uh, our zones have changed, our evacuation zones. Oh, I checked mine. I did too. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, public health. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I sent it, my, Eric, my, my Erica. I sent my wife an email about it, and she didn't respond. So yeah, that's... that's I think she sees all these emails that I send her about things like hurricane evacuation yep. zones and yep. Zika stuff yep. and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, okay, Quinn. That's, that's nice. That's <laughs> nice, honey. That's nice. No, I think she, she probably did read it. She probably did. Or she was like, you know what? I don't need to read it because I'm sure Quinn will give me the, you know, the summary. Yep. So he'll tell me about it anyway. Yep. And I'll put, I'll put it on our Google calendar. <laughs> Hey, this is uh, when the, uh, the Zika is going to hit, mm-hmm. so uh, it's on the Google calendar. So, since it is hurricane season, we here in Florida are embarking on hurricane season, and nationally, we still don't have a FEMA or yeah. NOAA administrator. Yeah, yeah. So that's great. Uh, Bad in a thousand. Yeah, the two agencies most important for predicting and managing weather-related disasters face budget cuts. And temporary bosses. So that's good. So I'm buying a kayak. <laughs> you should buy a kayak. I mean, I should in general, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's my emergency preparedness plan. I actually have a duffel bag. I really want to get a hand crank radio. I want to take it to the next level. I just saw um, 10 Cloverfield Lane for the <laughs> first time. I should make myself Speaking of preparedness. one of those little bunkers like John Goodman. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, not a bad... Oh, I saw that what? as like a how-to movie. Yeah, that's um, basically the movie of... Um, what's that show? Doomsday Preppers. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that was their movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too bad we live at sea level. Yeah. So a bunker may not work. If this is your first time listening to Viral, we're not usually this despondent. I Yeah, Please. I think the news has just gotten us it's, down this week. Yeah, and it's raining outside, and we live in a state where it's normally sunny, so it's just like a, just a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I will say I'm, I'm very thankful for the rain. Me too. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I think I know what we can do to lift our spirits. Yes. Let's talk about the things that we like that we're doing right now or enjoying. Oh, okay. What are you currently enjoying? Well, I've talked to you about this multiple times today, but I'm listening to My Brother, My Brother and Me, mm-hmm. which is a wonderful podcast. It's very silly. They basically answer questions on Yahoo an- Yahoo Answers and like Formspring. But as I'm sure a lot of you know, or maybe not, I'm not sure. <laughs> you, you, you describe it so much like like a mom, like an NPR mom. You're like... These these three young young gentlemen, <laughs> they are goofballs. They I are lo- goofballs. I love them so much. I really enjoy just listening to three goofy weirdos uh, talk about Yahoo questions yeah. and offer advice to idiots on the I, internet. It's so great. It's so great. It has been kind of a bright shining light yes. in my my life because <laughs> I was going to say, oh, what have, what have I been? 
like watching like oh I started watching The Handmaid's Tale. No, oh, don't no. talk don't uh-uh. talk about That's that one. That's dark. That's too dark, Quinn. Don't talk about that. You know what? I've also been watching Chewing Gum. I heard that was good. It's so good. It's so funny. I love it. That does sound pretty good. It's it's so good. Um I've been reading American Gods by okay. Neil Gaiman. Uh, I just finished a book, uh, kind of getting into my, like, putting my ancient history pants on. Oh, what do those look like? <laughs> More like a, like a tunic. Okay. Like an okay. old, like old one tunic. of those, like a Grecian skirt. Okay. That they, that okay. Um, I read The Poison King, The oh, Life yeah. and Legend of Mithridates, Rome's Deadliest Enemy. And that book... Oh, my God. It's by Adrian Mayer, and I would highly, highly recommend it to anyone interested in ancient Rome, but kind of wants the perspective of um, someone else. Uh, Rather than taking, like, the Roman perspective, it takes the perspective of um, Pontus, which is uh, an ancient kingdom in modern-day Turkey. And dude... This guy was a badass. Like badass as in a badass villain or was... Kind of both. Oh, wow. Badass villain and badass hero. Uh, hero wow. if you are... Um, if you like a Persian, poison? A Greco-Persian. Uh, villain if you are a Roman. Oh, okay. That sounds really great. Mm-hmm. You kind of had me at poison because I was like, ooh, this already sounds good. Um, yeah, he had a flock of poison ducks. Oh, yeah. Oh. And they also used uh, poison honey. Oh, shoot. They would leave, um, like, a bunch of like, a, a honeycomb near where they thought the Romans would be marching, and the Romans would be like, oh, sweet, some honey. And it was poison honey. Wow. They killed thousands of people. Wow. That's that's pretty diabolical. Mm-hmm. He also befriended and um, hung with a an Amazon warrior princess in the later years of his life, and um, she was pretty cool. Are we speaking of Diana? <laughs> yes, because that's another light Diana in my life. Diana of the Mascara. Yes, God killer. Yes. Um, I am reading. The Madness of Mary Lincoln. Another, uh, another light read. Yeah, another, you know, just real light, real uh, real great read. It is actually very interesting. Um, she, obviously the term insanity at the time it was used. Uh, yeah, if you're a woman, you're crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just going to happen. But um, they don't think she was actually insane. Obviously insanity has... Uh, she had a, a lot weird... of traumatic oh, things happen yeah. in her life. Oh, every single one of her children except for one died. And her husband was assassinated. And exactly, in, in front, front of, of her. her. Yeah. And the, also the Civil War. Yes. She, yeah. But they actually think that she had bipolar disorder. She's, she had always had bipolar disorder because she went through depressive and manic mm-hmm. uh, episodes. And actually, uh, by the time that they had, they actually had a trial to basically charge her with insanity, which is then when she was put into an asylum. She wasn't really put into asylum because she was Mary Lincoln, so they put her into, like, a nice little, like, 
manor in the country. It was very, you know, for stately ladies. Uh, but, yeah, the, she had six, I, I shouldn't say she, her son Robert had six physicians basically observe her, check her out, and um, they tried her, and she was found insane. And that's in the state of Illinois. Um, that's how you got somebody committed. Oh, boy. So you can imagine somebody who was already feeling basically shafted by the United States because they essentially, she felt like she was essentially forgotten about after her husband's murder. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to be publicly put on trial for insanity, she, she was a little miffed. Oh. So she actually tried multiple times to um, make a case for her to, you know, to basically um, say that she wasn't insane. So I'm I'm not done with it yet. So, uh, but I like the way this is written because it's not really from Mary's perspective or from Robert's, her son's perspective. You know, it's a very like historically neutral view, and so you feel something for both Robert and for her. You know, because he had a very difficult choice to make. She was hallucinating. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually did have a suicide attempt. So. At that time, the resources in order to really treat somebody for mental illness, they weren't there. And so he kind of had to use what resources he had. And obviously they weren't great. But And he got, I mean, people initially were, you know, like, oh, he's just trying to steal her estate. But, you know, they talk a lot about, like, Victoria, uh, Victorian masculinity at that time, too, and the notion of duty. So, um you know, he had familial obligation to take care of his mother. So it's a really, it's really good. Um, mm-hmm. Highly recommend. Obviously, you know, not a light read, no. but um, I think that given all the talk that we've had about mental health, I think it's a good, a good perspective to look and see how far we've come. We have so much further to go, but, mm-hmm. um, and you know, Mary Lincoln was an interesting, interesting woman. Yeah. Um, and there, and the relationship between her and Lincoln was talked about in the book too, which was very, very interesting. So they were actually a really well-met pair because she was very emotional, very intense, and he was very calm, very, you know, reasonable. So um, anyway, that's what I'm reading. I'm actually reading cool. multiple, there's multiple books I'm trying to get through, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, well, um, I think that about does it. Yeah. Check out our Twitter, our Facebook. Oh, and also we released um, our interview transcript with Roy Grant. Uh, We talk about – this was from a while ago. This is from back in March. um, But it's a really good interview. It talks about just after they tried to um, push through the A.H., Oh, no, no, no. They just tried to repeal, right? We've been through so much. I can't keep track of all this. Anyway, basically, we talk about the attempt to repeal and replace the ACA. And um, he actually just came out with an article in AJPH, the American Journal of Public Health. It's really an editorial on our responsibility as scientists to be better communicators, which we've talked about multiple times on the show. So Mm -hmm. Roy is great. And... Um, definitely read the blog post because it's re- it's a really good interview. So, yeah. 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 So um, <clears throat> check out our our uh, website, Twitter, Facebook, 
and leave us a review on uh, iTunes or Google Play. Please. Yeah, and sign up for our uh, listserv thingy. So we got so many stickers, guys. We do have a lot of stickers. I mean, still got stickers, still got that free T-shirt on the line. And if you got one of those stickers, take a picture of where you stuck it, if it's appropriate. Yes, uh, thank you for that that disclaimer. I don't know what these public health people are up to, you know? But do you want to read your public health fact? I do. Please do. I want to hear this public health fact. All right. Today's public health fact, beer. It's one of the oldest intoxicating beverages consumed by humans. Evidence that the ancient Sumerians living in Mesopotamia, modern-day Iraq and Iran, brewed beer 5,000 years ago. They loved it so much, they ascribed the creation of it to the gods and devoted many songs and myths about beer and its role in the heavens. The Sumerian hymn to Ninkazi is both a praise song to the goddess of beer and a recipe for brewing. Most brewers were women, likely priestesses, and it was brewed in the home as a supplement to meals and as a medicine. It was pretty different from the stuff you drink today, though. With porridge-like consistency, it had to be consumed through a straw, leading to the invention of the straw. For most of human history, you were more likely to stay healthy drinking beer than drinking water. Bottoms up. Thanks for listening to Viral. This podcast was written and produced by Quinn Lundquist, that's me, and Lindsay Grove. Our theme is Take Your Medicine by the Quick and Easy Boys. If you like our podcast, let us know. Leave a review, tell your friends, but most importantly, make sure to always wash your hands.